This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're in the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios live in New York. They found a better way to mortgage so you can focus on making your new house home. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Our toll-free line, 855-212-4CBS, brought to you by GEICO. Great news, you can save a bunch of money if you switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. You got to get on PharrellOnTheBench.com. How about last night? 17-4 and four in college basketball bets on opening night, 81%. Last week, college football, 66% of my bets hit, including my top five plays and six of my top seven. And NFL for the week? 70% of my bets covered my fifth week out of nine in the 70 percentile bracket. You got to love that. This week I was 5-0-1 in my top six plays, 9-4-1 in spreads. Why haven't you signed up for PharrellOnTheBench.com? It's F-E-R-R-A-L-L, PharrellOnTheBench.com. Sign up today. Hide the money from your wife. You're going to need to because you're going to make plenty. All right. So... Uh, I'm watching this Miami of Ohio game with Ohio. They're on the road. They just kicked a big field goal to take the lead with about, I don't know, four and a half, five minutes left, 24-21. Miami of Ohio has taken the lead. I think they were um, they were getting uh, points in that game. I think it was like seven or something like that. I could be wrong, but I think it was. I could actually uh, tell you what it was. Let's see what it was. Uh, it was seven. They were getting seven. I took the seven. Now they're up ten with the number. Not bad. They're up ten with the number with about four-something left. So it looks like they'll not only have a shot to win this game, but to uh, cover for sure. And uh, now Ohio has to, you know, either kick a field goal or score a touchdown to win the game, or they're uh, in big trouble. So there you go. Both teams four and four going in. Both were three and one in the MAC. And Ohio, uh, Miami has the lead on the 53 yard Sloman Shield field goal. The guy, Sam Sloman, booting one, hooking it in from 53 yards out. Huge field goal to get Miami of Ohio the lead. So Le'Veon Bell um, has the knee, the ankle, he has some issues. But there's no structural damage to the knee after an MRI revealed that it's uh, nothing major. And that Gase is basically selling the fact that they think he's going to be able to go against the Giants on Sunday. Would you really throw this guy out there with knee and ankle problems? In a, in when you're, what are they, one and seven? Why no, would, no, Gase is pretty dumb, so. Why would you play that guy when he's all banged up and the money you're paying him? It could only get worse from here, can it? I think there's a heavy desire, believe it or not, between these two teams to um, win this game on Sunday. I know it sounds crazy because they both have been awful this year. One has two wins, one has one. Three wins between the two of them. Who do you think's worse? I think in town, 
Um, both coaches are in trouble anyway, but the loser of this game and the franchise that loses this game on Sunday in New York City, they're the ones who are going to get all the, the bad press for 24, 48 hours. It'll actually give the winning team a break for a few days, and they don't get too many of those this year. So uh, I think that, that there's a lot of pressure. So when they're on the fan all day, who are they abusing? Oh, they're whacking both of them with the pinata. I, <laughs> I mean, it's just they're, they're both taking it. Probably Gase more right now. Really? Yeah. Although, no, honestly, it depends. It's all day Monday was obviously Gase, and then the Giants lost Monday night, so then all day Tuesday it was Shermer. Do they're they, both in serious trouble. Do they let? Uh, does he let them bash the Giants when they're their uh, partners? Does he let them? It goes on. So they go on the air and they bash him. Some people do. Uh, some, you mean some can get away with it, others can't, which is what that means in I Portuguese. Mean, I, I personally don't get to listen to the station all day long. Right. So I don't know what most of these guys are doing, but I know that there are people who do take their wax, sure. Right. But they're deserved wax. The team has been awful this year. Both been of them. Awful. And the coaching has been awful. I have never, I, I said this before, I have never seen a guy sleepwalking through a job like Adam Gase. I mean, this guy looks so bored. He looks so clueless about, you know, what's going on around him and how the sky is falling on him. Like, he just seems like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, we're, we're sucking, but it's no big deal. Like, he, this guy seems like he's in there thinking he has, like, a five-year plan and he can just wait down the road, everything will work out. Like, this is New York, dude. This ain't Miami where they're going to put up with this crap for three or four years. This is New York. You're this bad? You will get whacked at the end of the year. So you think they'll fire him uh, no matter what? Barring them all of a sudden winning like five of their next six, yes, they will whack him because he's just been so clueless. They've been so terrible. And like you said, they brought him in here to work with Sam Darnold, make him better, you know, make him the quarterback that they expect. Because Didn't you think it was, it was a horrible hire to begin with? I did. I thought it was the best of what they had left. The problem was they had McCarthy, and they talked with him. They had interest. He had interest. And they had a different, you know, philosophy where for some reason they wouldn't let him pick his coaching staff, which is the dumbest thing I've ever Why heard. Why wouldn't you hire that guy over this loser? I, don't I mean, know. this guy was he not in Miami just losing left and right? And you got your entire rap sheet right there. You saw his whole resume. All you had to do was watch him coach the Dolphins into the ground, and then you knew he was terrible. And then he comes to New York. Why would you hire him? Because you were so stupid that you left the GM in there that you fired like three months later. You know, just like with New York, where they let Phil Jackson pick the Nilakina pick, they let McCagnan do the hiring of Gase, and then three months later, all of a sudden, he's out, and they bring in someone else. Like, why are you letting that happen? If you're going to clean house, clean it from so the beginning. So when uh, when they go to the games, like, do the fans go to the Jet games? Are there? Because uh, I don't. I wouldn't watch the Jets if you paid me. Literally, I wouldn't watch them. I would not turn on a Jets game, uh, literally, unless somebody was writing me a check for a hundred grand. I mean, I'm I'm not even kidding. You can't seriously watch them, Mafia. You're a Jet fan. They make you want to puke. They're so bad. You can't watch them, can you? No, I don't usually watch just their game. I mean, I always have multiple TVs going. Right. So I have Red Zone on one, and I'll have them on, like, the side TV or on the computer or something. But what do you think when you watch them? Like, what, what do you they're think? They just seem clueless. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, he doesn't make any adjustments. They're letting guys get in the backfield every play. So Darnold, instead of just throwing the ball away and eating it or taking the sack, tries to make these ridiculous plays that end up being easy to pick for the other team. What happened with Quinn Williams? Because I thought he was going to be a stud. I thought so, too, under Greg Williams. I thought that, you know, this guy, the success he's had at all his stops, I thought that this defense was going to be something that was going to be a force this year with Mosley and him. 
So did I. I thought they were going to surprise some people. They've done nothing. They got, you know, Leonard Williams had his issues and they got rid of him. You know, I thought that was a guy that could have helped take some pressure off. I know he didn't have a huge ton of sacks, but he was a good guy on that front line. They trade him off. Mosley's been out the whole season, so they're not getting the pass rush that they were and they're not stopping the run. And then, you know, their quarterbacks are just terrible. Adams is good on the back end, but May's been hurt at the other safety spot. Their quarterbacks are trash, so people are just throwing all day on them. It's been terrible. I thought when they got Bell and they had Williams and they had Adams and they had Mosley and they had Darnold and they had Anderson, I thought they had the pieces to be decent and, and like, at least be in games. They've only played one good game the whole year, the game they won against the Cowboys. That's it. Every game that, you know, otherwise has been basically a disaster. And then I just do not understand on the other uh, spectrum, the uh, guy Shermer, he's another one. I just, uh, when are people going to finally realize that he's awful? I mean, is he having enough jobs now? After this year, he'll be a permanent offensive coordinator for – you know, he'll still coach again. These guys always still coach, but he won't be a head coach anymore after this. Has season. he not lost enough and been a failure enough that people see that he can't do it? I don't think this one's all on him, though. I think Gettleman completely screwed him with some of the moves that he's made in his years there. I mean, the whole sticking with Eli up until they finally put Jones in this year, not drafting someone last year, so you had a lost season with Eli as your quarterback. Then you have a lost season this year because you start Eli and then you start a rookie, so you're not going to be any good. He's never made the right moves on the defensive side to get those guys to stop anybody. Their offensive line has been trashed the whole time, and they never fixed that. It's amazing Saquon Barkley gets any yards. Gettleman's hanging them out to dry. Meanwhile, they he won't. He sucks as a coach, too. I mean, he's, he's He sucks, terrible. but they won't get rid of Gettleman. Uh, they won't this year. But no. but Shermer might get fired. Shermer's getting fired. Shermer and Gates are gone after this year. They're gone. They're both gone. I think so. I don't see why either of them would be back. Gase is going to be one and done. It's all about the quarterback. And if the quarterback has not shown to be better than he sold you on something. And I don't even, I wouldn't even, I know Mafia was saying McCagnan. I don't even think McCagnan hired him. I honestly think that the owner, the idiot owner hired him. They, he got a phone call from Peyton Manning saying this guy's good and he, and he hired him. McCagnan really, and Gase walked in the door and basically, you know, said this guy McCagnan's an idiot. Get him out of here. So I, I think that the owner who was just, the the one owner the one guy went over to London right to do some whatever he's doing for right. for Trump and being the ambassador right? right whatever he's doing and he left the brother to run the team and he doesn't know what he's doing either he's making decisions like you need to have one guy make the decisions okay right. and, and that's just maybe they're gonna let this guy Douglas do that this off season because he hasn't gotten to do any make any decisions yet because they brought him in so late. Didn't they bring him in from Philly or something? Right, but he's got he's got a you know a background of being a great player personnel guy, a good a great drafter, recruiter. great recruiter, all that stuff. But this is going to be his first chance to shape a team or to hire a coach or do things like that. If you do fire Gase, just please let the guy hire the coach. Will they sell out that game on uh, Sunday? Jets Giants. It's probably sold out, but that doesn't mean it's going to be filled up. Considering that you're going to have fans of both teams. Um, you'll probably. So what do they do? Do the fans show up and hate each other? Is there fist fights and stuff? Who's who's technically got the home game? The Jets or the Giants? That a look. If it's a Giant home game, it'll be, you know, seventy thirty Giants. Jets are the home team. Well, then that's different. Then it'll be fifty fifty or or more split. Because the Giant fan t- really, especially Sunday at one, they don't give up their tickets. The Giant fan goes to the games. 
The Jet fan does not. They only go when they win. They only go when they it's win. It's true. Am I right or wrong? No, you're it's, right. It's 100% true. The Giant fan will go no matter what, especially if it's 1 o'clock on a Sunday. They always go to the game. The Jet fan will only go if they're winning. Only if they win. That's why it'll be 50-50 at maybe, maybe even more Giant this Sunday. Wow. So Ohio now 4th and 23 in a timeout. They have to go for it. They, the game's uh, over. They, if you know, they only have one timeout left. This is it. It's down to one play. It's fourth and 23. I don't know how they possibly get the first down. They're going to have to throw a bomb to get a first down. And Miami of Ohio is going to beat them here in Athens on the road to go to 5-4 and four and 4-1 four and one in the max. So not bad to be one game over 500 and three games over 500 in the conference. They're like UCLA. They're winning conference games, and they can't win anything else. 855-212-4CBS to get on a bench. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. All right, 855-212-4227. Get you benched. Christian and Boise, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Pharrell, thanks for having me on. Listen to you every night. I'm away home from work. Um, how's it going, man? Cool, man. Everything's good. Hey, I wanted to ask you uh, what you think about the group of five situation as far as, you know, who, who you think has the best shot getting in. You know, you've got obviously Cincinnati, Memphis, Boise State, SMU, um, maybe even Navy in the mix. Um, who do you think is the best team out of those guys? I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I would say after what – and I'd like to get everybody's opinion on this. I think that um, – I certainly think Boise is a good football team. I, I may lean a little bit more on Memphis uh, after, you know, what they did uh, to SMU because, you know, SMU was having this great uh, undefeated season, and then they went to Memphis and they, and they lost. So, you know, I'd probably lean uh, in that direction. But they're all right there. Cincinnati's good. Memphis, I mean, Cincy's seven and one. Boise's seven and one. Memphis eight and one now. Uh, and SMU eight and one. But SMU would fall out of favor based on losing to uh, Memphis. So I mean, it's flip a coin. They're all good. Um, my feeling is the edge would go to Memphis uh, for beating the undefeated SMU team. But uh, there's still games to be played, and anything could happen. I certainly uh, have always respected what Boise does uh, on the football field every year. They're really good, so I don't have a problem uh, with them either. I, I would think that they'll get a play in a nice bowl game one way or the other. You know what I mean? Uh, so what do you think, Carver High? Well, a couple of those teams are still going to you know, possibly knock each other out of that mix because Cincinnati still plays Memphis last game of the year. So that's going to knock one of those two out. There's a possibility that Navy could play Cincinnati in the AAC title game, so that could knock one of them out as well. I got a feeling that Boise will end up getting it. They'll be the group of five team that goes to one of those big bowl games. Um, they won't lose another game, I don't think. I think that these other teams in the AAC will kind of knock each other out, uh, beat each other a couple times. And uh, just like we saw Memphis do to SMU last week, I could see Cincinnati getting clipped maybe by Memphis and maybe Memphis loses a game to somebody else. So I think that Boise, because they don't play any of these other teams, 
probably has the best chance to be the team that gets that bid. Uh, you know, Boise's got a tough game uh, this week with Wyoming, but the game's in Boise. so yeah, I, I think that Boise will win. <laughs> yeah, I do too. i got to give them the edge because, you know, Wyoming's 6-2, uh, and two, which isn't bad. They're 7-1, and one, but they're, you know, 4-0 and oh in the conference, and Wyoming's 3-1 and one in the conference. So my guess is Boise gets that done. Then they got New Mexico. They'll beat them easily. I think Utah State this year um, is very average. And I think Colorado State is even worse. So those are their last two games on the road. You know, stranger things have happened. They got to play up there in, uh, you know, uh, Colorado State and Fort Collins. They got to play at Utah State. That won't in Logan. Uh, that will not be easy. But they are better than those teams. So if they just handle their business, they should be okay. They should win both of those games. Uh, I'll give you that. You may be right that they would be the team left standing because the others might eat themselves. Right, like Navy and SMU still have to play each other. Uh, Memphis and Cincinnati play each other. There's a possibility that the combination of those four could play in the title game. I think that you'll see. I don't. I mean, all those teams will end up with another loss at some point. But I mean, don't you think SMU's already in a bind because Memphis beat them? But I think that all of those teams are going bowling. They're all going to play in decent bowl games. Right. I mean, they're all going to play in decent bowl games, but when you're in that conference and you're in the Mountain West and you're in the AC right. and only one of you out of all those conferences gets to go to the big money game. Right. You know, the the, the game where you make a lot of money. And right. Boise made a lot of money all those years going to those games. Uh, that were, is worth a Will lot more. Will you ever forget that Oklahoma game yeah, they won? The Statue of Liberty game that was and all great. that. It was just it was awesome. That was the greatest game in their history. No question. None. Absolutely. But, I, you know, they've represented, uh, I think, very well, more than any other school ever at that level, is Boise's the best. I agree with you. They have gone back to multiple uh, big, you know, New what a great Six program. type of games. Whereas we've seen other teams get there once, you know, have a, have a miraculous year where they go undefeated and they play in that game. Utah did it before they went to the Pac-12. Right. Hawaii did it and got thumped the one year. Western Michigan. We've seen teams have great one years, but they don't sustain, whereas Boise has been sustaining that for 10-plus years now doing it. We've been talking about this, uh, you know, playoff situation. Right. And we talked about it all last night when the first standings came out, the first playoff standings came out. And we, we already know the teams that are in it. But the five and the six is Clemson and Georgia. Georgia has Missouri this week at Auburn next week. A&M at home, and then at Georgia Tech rivalry game uh, on the 30th. But they're not going to lose to Georgia Tech in Bobby Dodd because Georgia Tech is complete diapers. They are stinky diapers. No, the, the big thing for Georgia is they're still in the mix here because if they run the table, if they beat Auburn, they win all their games, they are going to get a crack at the winner of this Saturday's Alabama-LSU game. They will most likely get a crack at one of those teams being undefeated in the SEC title game, and Georgia will have an opportunity to get them play themselves into Can you believe that, playoff. that they lost to South Carolina? Because they'd have a perfect season. Yeah, look, it it, uh, it happens. Gonna, they're going to, uh, you know, because I I, I think know. they'll win out too. They'll beat Auburn. That, that's they'll beat a, Auburn. That's a tough game at Auburn. They might lose that game. I think they'll win the game. And then A&M at home, no problem? Nah, I don't think A&M's that great. With Mond, no no problem there. I think that uh, they will play in the SEC title game against 
either Alabama or LSU with an opportunity giving, to uh, get into the playoff. They're giving A&M zero chance to beat uh, Georgia. It's 82% to 17% with all those silly, stupid FPI percentages and everything else. Now, look, you and you go maybe just a one rung lower than that on that initial ranking. You've got Oregon and Utah sitting at 7-8, and eight, both with one loss. Both could run the table and play each other in the Pac-12 title game. Right. The winner of that, if they get some help up top, could one of those two teams springboard into maybe the fourth slot? I think they feel like they've been shafted, the Pac-12. They have. Uh, every year by this uh, committee. But if, but if Clemson's undefeated, if the winner of Alabama LSU is undefeated, you know, They'll never jump uh, Georgia Ohio State or Penn State winner is going to be undefeated. Oregon and Utah aren't cl- jumping Clemson and, and Georgia because no. they love Clemson and Georgia in I'm these saying big they're going to need help. If one of those teams has to run the table, beat the other one in the Pac-12 title, ta- title game, and hope that something crazy happens to get them into the fourth right. slot. Ken in Indiana, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hi, Pharrell. How are you? Hey, Kenneth. I just wanted to... Go a little bit different, but I wanted to thank you for your show. About a year and a half ago, I was 412 pounds. Sweet. I'm six foot ten. I'm a little older than you. I'm 66. Wow. I, I was an All-American in college a long time ago, and I used to, after I graduated, I just gained a ton of weight. I sat on my butt playing a supervisor. And I ate, and I ate, and I ate, <laughs> and I didn't exercise anymore. Right. And I ballooned up for 40 years, and I wound up 412 pounds. That's crazy. And, but, but with your show, I found it about a year and a half ago. The hardest part for me was nighttime, eating pizza and soda and right. chips. Right. So I substituted the food with your show. And uh, the laughter and, and the good sports. And I just wanted to thank you. It was a big aid in me. I know it sounds weird, but it was a big aid in me losing the weight. And I wanted to take the time to thank you. Well, how much weight did you lose? 207 pounds. Jesus. So you're down to what now? 280 or something? I went from 412 to 205.6. Jesus, so you're telling me, wait a minute, you're telling me right now you weigh 205? Yes. That's what I weigh. You, and, yeah, uh, I so saw wait. a picture of you on the on the internet. So you're, you're about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right? Well, I'm 6'3", 205, but you're telling me you're 6'10", 205? Yeah, I, I lost a lot of weight. That is crazy. Well, I had to do it. After all those years, I developed a little bit of... Health problems. Where were you? Where were you in All American? I a Division two school called St. Michael's College in Vermont. I know where St. Michael's is. Hey, Mafia, St. Michael's is where uh, that's where Brendan played college basketball. He played at St. Michael's in Vermont. He only lasted one year though. He partied too much and got uh, you know got a little leg. Started hitting the bottle. Getting a little. I, was, I graduated in seventy six. All right, I know my, one of my teammates played basketball. It's the only way I would have known that school is because he played there. He played at St. Michael's in Vermont. That's crazy. Uh, what? And you played basketball there as well? Yeah, I, I played basketball. I was an All-American there. That's crazy. 6'10", nice. Uh, so now that you're 205, are you shooting around anymore? 
No. Th- those days are gone. I got some health problems. All right. But uh, I'm still kicking. I'm, st- I'm still around. And I just wanted to thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. My it pleasure. was an alternative to eating. Well. And I'm hoping that other people... I, I lost weight when I was in uh, when I was 64. I'm 66 now. Right. So people, you're always encouraging people. Right. So it's never too late, as long as you're kicking. And I'm sure you would agree with me for Listen, I, I think uh, I'll say this: that I agree with him about one thing for sure is that when I'm not here, right, and even when I am here, it's bad. But when I'm not here, it's it's at its peak for for terrible is that when I'm home on a Saturday and a Sunday, I eat anything I see. I literally will eat, I'll eat a tire if you put mustard on it. I mean, honestly, I'll eat a car. I will eat junk food and ice cream and sorbet and pizza. And I mean, I will eat bags of chips like they're not even there. Cookies, are you kidding me? I can eat the entire bag of cookies, five sleeves, nothing stops me. On weekends, I am a, an absolute, I'm a, I'm a savage. I'm like an animal. I'm like a, because you've seen my dog, Mafia. This dog, this dog will eat nonstop, 24-7, 365. The dog could eat 50 bowls of food, and if you gave him a slice of pizza, he'd eat it. The dog could eat 700 hamburgers in a row. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. This dog never stops eating. I'm just like the dog. I eat nonstop on weekends. It's awful. But during the week when I'm here, I eat better, and I don't eat as much, and I'm doing the show, and I'm not home just pounding. Every every 10 minutes, I'm going to the kitchen to eat something. I mean, it is bad. And once you're over 50, you just uh, balloon up and become a fat ass so easily. It's not even funny. Once you're older, forget it. You just only gain weight. You don't lose it. And then I work out seven days a week, so that's the only way I can stay at, at uh, 205. Because I've been up to 215, whatever, and played at 215, and I was, you know, pretty much a fat ass for me. So it's just eating badly and eating all, nonstop all day. You never stop. So I know where that guy's coming from. So I highly recommend smoking weed. Wait, are we on the air? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Pharrell on the Bench. Make sure you sign up for PharrellOnTheBench.com. All my college and pro plays are up for this weekend's games, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. All the games are up. Don't forget, last week in college, 66% of my bets hit. Pros, 70% of my bets hit. I went 9-4-1 in spreads, 5-0-1 in my top six plays. PharrellOnTheBench.com. How about this? Opening night in college basketball, 81% of my bets covered. I mean, all I do is make people money. That's all I do. It's like I'm good for the community. I'm good for community relations. Sign up. Hide the money from your wife. Chicks dig me. There you go. Pass interference challenges, Carver High. Initiated uh, by NFL coaches through nine weeks, 53 reviews, five calls overturned. 90% of the calls have been upheld. Uh, There is, in my view, no reason at all to keep this stupid rule because it hasn't worked. This will be the last year that they have this dopey rule in there. And, And those five that were overturned, they were all in like the first week or two of the season. And the league was like, whoa, 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 we got to stop here. This is out of control. And they haven't reversed one in weeks. It's been weeks since they reversed one. And that guy, Shermer, we talked about earlier, he just keeps trying every week. And he just keeps throwing them out there. He knows they ain't going to overturn them. Are they pass interferences? Of course they are. This is all overreaction to what happened 
in New Orleans right. in the NFC title game, which was obviously an egregious miss by those officials that day. So what are they going to do? I don't know what the answer is, but this is not the answer. Saying that you can challenge pass interference when you really can't, right? I mean, you really can't. That's right. They don't overturn it. It's a complete waste of time. You're making coaches waste timeouts. We watched this play in the Giant-Dallas game the other night. There was clear pass interference on that one play on Dallas late in the game, and Shermer challenged it. And once again, they didn't overturn it. They never overturn it. What are you saying here? What is the rule? Just end it. Take it. Make it like last year. If something like that happens in New Orleans again, then fire the ref. I mean, what are you going to do here? This is just silly. Yeah, and I think that – you know, they'll go back to just uh, natural call, uh, you know, natural bad calls, right? That they'll just, there'll be nothing else involved in it. There won't be reviews. It'll just be flat out. Uh, you either make the call right or you don't, right? Like that call in that title game was so bad. That's why they did this. Right. And But they've now made it a joke. It's a joke because there's a rule, but there isn't. It's a rule that doesn't work. They doesn't never, exist. They never... They never uh, flip the call. They never flip the call when it's clear, clear that some of these ones that are getting We've challenged seen way worse than are passing interference. Oh, there's been way worse, and they still won't overturn them. It's like that guy Riveron's just sitting there going, "Yeah, all these ones that come in just don't don't overturn them." You know, that's it. They really are corrupt in the way they run that. Totally embarrassing. That, I think the way they uh, review calls in the league office, they do it on Park Avenue, right? Yeah, I, yes, I, I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to the league. I think that the only way to do this is, and I and I don't know how this will work. I, I don't know if it will. They got to take it out of the coaches' hands. It's not fair what they're doing to the coaches. The coaches are challenging plays that should 100% be overturned. Don't you think the guy, the ref, the the head ref, should go over to the, uh, the Microsoft screen, watch the play, he makes the call instead of having some guy in New York. They used doing to do it. that, and it was taking too long. Remember, they used to have the guy come over and looking at the thing, and it was just getting out of control. Here's what I would do. I don't think I don't know how it'll go. Don't they buzz him now, like on scoring plays and turnovers and things like that? They buzz the ref to say we need to take another look at this. Let just let the league make the decision. If you get a play like in New Orleans last year, where it's clear that there was pass interference and all. 12 officials they, on the field they, miss they it, flip it. Then make the guy, Riveron, and those people sitting in that booth, make them buzz the ref and but say, we got a an, problem That here. guy's an asshat. Well, they're all, they all are. But so I need that it's guy, not fair what they're doing to the coaches. I've never heard of that guy before in my life, and now I've heard of him. And he took over for Blandino, right? Great. So the guy that has the job, this guy, Riveron, he, I've never heard of him before in my life. Now that I know who he is, he's like the biggest dope on earth. Well, that's how it always is. So with it's ruined his- Like, if you know their name, it's because they're doing a terrible job. And the thing with making it just the guys they're doing it is they pulled that out of their hands because they want uniformity. Because too often it depended on the ref on if the call was going to get overturned or not. It's their bias, how they right. saw it. So they wanted it to be uniform across the league, and that's why they put it all in Riveron's hands. Or It was Blandino's. The problem is... Uniformly sucks because every time he doesn't overturn a damn thing. Meanwhile, on all these broadcasts that they force now them to have these rules experts, I don't know why the league one of those, and all it does is make them look worse because all these guys sit there that were refs themselves and say, "Listen, 
this call sucks. It needs to be changed. And then they don't change it anyway. Oh, my God. So all the people that you force them to have to explain the rules are just explaining that you're screwing it up. Has anyone uh, else, like, said, you know, because when I watch the games on Sunday, when I watch a red zone, and literally I feel like, uh, and I've said this before on the show, I feel like it's just automatic. I mean, the amount of calls is so overwhelming. It is so painful watching an NFL game anymore with the amount of flags they throw. And don't tell me that they don't throw a lot of flags. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the, the league's, uh, you know, spin of how many calls they're making because they'll spin it and say they're calling less flags than they ever have. Yeah, that's bull. I don't remember a single game where I've seen less than double-digit flags on both teams. Right. It's crazy the amount of flags they throw. I mean, it is absolutely the most annoying thing ever that every big play now, you just are waiting to see a, a yellow flag. It's amazing they don't have prop bets on over under how many flags you're going to have in each game at this point. There's so many of them. I'm not, I'm not akin to that happening. I'm sure it will. They'll start having that prop bet available soon. It's become a major problem. Like a major problem. It has become a major problem. And it's beyond just They're the ruining every game. It's beyond the dopey pass interference rule. It's everything, like you said. It's not just the big plays. Hands to the it face. Is every play. Every play, you're waiting for the yellow flag. Not just the big plays, right. the insignificant plays. It is every play you think there's going to be a flag. It's just that simple now. God, they have ruined the game. It is so annoying and painful watching a game anymore with all the flags. It is absolute. It's draining. You sit there and watch. You want to kill yourself. Dickie in Pittsburgh on the fan. You're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, for all, man. Long time listener, man. Appreciate you having me on first time. Yeah, man. Hey, I just want to chime in on the uh, whole referee challenge the flag thing here. Uh, challenge the pass interference call. To me, the, the, the answer is simple. Like, put a referee, take one of these old guys who can't keep up with the game down on the field and put one up in the booth for every game and let them watch the game on TV and let them call it live and buzz down to, you know, the head official on the field. And that takes away from all the egregious calls that are being missed. Now, I wouldn't let them do it on, like, slow motion. Real time, you know, watch the view on TV. And if they see something egregious, let them call it. Well, I, that's a great idea, except that it's the same idea, essentially, as what they're doing now. They have someone in the league office buzz them and tell them that the play should be reversed or that the call, they missed the call or whatever. I don't care where they do it. I don't care if they do it in, a, in the press box. I don't care if they do it in the league office on Park Avenue. I, I don't care where they do it. I just wish they would make a call and get it right instead of all these calls that are so obvious and so blatantly obvious that you're just sitting there watching as a fan and they show it over and over, right? They show the highlight 30 times. And then you're sitting there watching it and you see plain as day that the call is wrong and they still don't get it right. It is so unbelievable to me to watch them butcher everything. It's like we see it multiple times in HD rollover, super slow-mo. The highlight just keeps going over and they show it 30 times. How many times do you have to look at it to realize you, you've screwed it up? And then you see that it's wrong as a fan, and then they can't get it right? What does that say about the league when fans at home, some drunk guy smoking bong rips, can get it right, but the you know River on and all of his minions can't get it right? It's amazing to me how they pay people. They actually pay them salary 
They have jobs, full-time jobs to do this, and they can't get it right. I mean, how stupid are you? What are you watching? How drunk are you that you can't get it right when the rest of us can? I mean, do you really struggle that much watching an NFL game when you see a bad call that, you know, as a fan, I see it, I'm like, I mean, it's obvious they got the call wrong. Like, how about these guys on these drops, like these passes, right? And you see it plain as day, the guy drops the ball, right? And then they sit there and argue about it for 10 minutes, whether the guy caught it or not. I mean, a guy makes a catch along the sideline. He's got to get both feet in bounds. You see it 30 times. How many times do you have to see it to get it G damn right? You see his feet are in. He's in. And they spend 15 minutes trying to decide if the guy's feet are in or not. I mean, it is so painful. You want to jump off a building. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.